We're going to continue our worship service this morning by reading and studying and go, diving into the Word of God. Who's excited about the Word of God this morning? Come on. This is also an act of worship. I often tell people, you know, Matt, what's it like to preach, they might ask me. And I'd say, you know what, it's just like leading worship. I just get to tell people about Jesus in a different way. And so, and that's what I'm here to do, is to glorify and honor Him. And, and we're going to do that this morning. Um, this morning, we're actually starting a brand new series. And uh, if you were here with us last week, of course, it was uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Wasn't that a great service, everybody? And um, yeah, it was great. And uh, it, was, it was the day, I, always, I said this last week, it's the Super Bowl of Christian Sundays, right? It's like, it's, it's the one where we're always cheering for the underdog and he always wins. It's awesome. It's awesome. Jesus always wins. Uh, but one of the questions that comes out of last week, when we talk about the resurrection and we come out of a big Sunday like that, is that's great. You know, Jesus died and he rose again on the cross for our sins. But what does the resurrection actually mean for my everyday life? How does Jesus impact my daily life? And so we're starting a brand new series today called Jesus in My Everything. Jesus in my everything. And we're going to take about six Sundays to explore different areas of our lives and how Jesus impacts that area of our lives. We're going to be talking about Jesus in my relationships, Jesus in my doubts, Jesus in my joy. We're going to talk about, uh, um, it's going to be an awesome series. I'm really looking forward to it. But the main scripture that we're going to use as kind of the, the springboard for this uh, series is from Colossians. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to start in the Word of God as we always do. If you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. I'll give you a few moments to turn there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. I'm going to read it to you in two different versions. Uh, we've got it up on the screen in the New Living Translation, and then I'm also just going to read it to you in the New King James, just so we can kind of saturate in this and get this in our minds. Then we're going to pray, then I'm going to preach. i got five points for you today, and then we're going to release you to go out and enjoy this beautiful Sunday. Well, ish, beautiful Sunday. It's raining. Okay, fine. Enjoy this Sunday, this cozy Sunday. There you go. There you go. I like it. All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, the New Living. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Now in the New King James Version, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Turn to the person beside you and say Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord God. We thank you that it's living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. God, it divides between the soul and the spirit. It discerns to the intents of the heart. God, your word will accomplish what it is set up to do, and it will not return void. And so, Father, this morning we come with great expectations because we serve a great God. And we ask that you would come and you would move in this place, Lord God. We pray that you would plant your word deep in our hearts, Lord God, that we would all be changed by it today, Lord Jesus. We come to you and we submit ourselves to you, God, and we ask you to move and to flow through me. Take these lips of clay this morning, Lord God, and add your anointing to them, Lord Jesus. Father, I get out of the way. I say, God, do whatever you want to do and have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. So Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I know that when you hear a saying like that, you can think to yourself, well, that's great, but what does that actually mean for me? To have Christ living in me. Today, we're going to explore one idea around this. And it's this idea that Jesus is not just an Easter morning Jesus. He didn't just die on the cross for our sins and and pay the price and, and rise from the dead, and that was it. It was just that one moment, and that's all you get. You get Easter morning, and that's it. You know what else he's not? He's not just a Sunday morning Jesus. He's not just here for when we come to church on a Sunday morning and encounter his presence. But Jesus actually is a Sunday Jesus. He's a Monday Jesus. He's there on your Tuesdays and your Wednesdays. On your Thursdays when you don't know how you're going to get through that week, Jesus is there as well. And on your Friday, when you're not sure how you're going to move forward into the weekend and you don't know if you're going to make it, He's there as well. And on your Saturday, He's there for you as well. And on your Sunday, He's there as well. He is an everyday Jesus. And if I were to title my message today, it would be this, Everyday Jesus. Everyday Jesus. See, I don't want to just experience Him on Sundays. I want to, I want to live it out every single day of my life. And there are some promises that Jesus has given us about His presence that that if He was with us, we could expect certain things in our lives. There are byproducts of a relationship with Jesus that we ought to look for and be aware of because they're for all of us as followers of Jesus. And today, I'm going to outline five. I probably could have done 20, but we're going to do five today that I really felt God laid on my heart. So you guys with me? Are you ready? What does it look like? To have Jesus living in my day-to-day life. What does it mean to have the resurrected Christ living in me? And how does this truth impact my daily life? And we've got five this morning. And here's one of the first ones. The first thing that we can experience and expect from an everyday Jesus is everyday joy. Everyday joy. I can feel the skepticism already. Really, Matt? Yes, everyday joy. Let me give you some scriptures about this, and then we're going to unpack this. We're going to dive into this idea a little bit and explore it a little bit, this idea of everyday joy. John 15, 11 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Isn't that a great promise? I've told you these things so you will be filled, not just a little bit of joy, but a lot of joy. Now, the next one is this. Psalm 30 verse 5 says this, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So here's a quote about this, and then we're going to deal with the skepticism in just a second. This is what it means to be a Christian, to embrace the whole Christ, the suffering Christ, the risen Christ, the reigning Christ, the coming Christ, who says at every point, I have come that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Quote from John Piper. Now, why would I say that there's skepticism? Well, if we were to be entirely honest, I think a lot of us might think, well, I I don't experience that in every moment of every day. And I think one of the challenges that we have when we're talking about this concept of joy is that we often get joy mixed up with the idea of happiness. 
We think that joy means that I, I just feel awesome all the time. Can you imagine living that way? I, I, I certainly cannot. That, that I just feel that way all the time. But, but one of the things that we start to understand about this concept of joy is that joy is nuanced. Joy is not just this feeling of exhilaration, but it is something that is deeper than that. It is something that is abiding in us. Um, I, I wrote down this quote. Um, okay, hang on. I'm going to come back to this, this verse in just a moment. But I wrote down this quote from C.S. Lewis, and I really love the way that he uh, talks about the idea of joy. Um, in that joy is different than happiness. He says, all joy reminds. It is never a possession. Always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. In other words, joy is in what has happened already. Joy is in the hope and expectation of something that might happen today. And then joy is also found in something that is firm and foundational in our future. You could say it's yesterday, today, and forever. It's nuanced. It's not simply a feeling. You might, not, you might be sitting here right now and say, Matt, I, I don't feel joy. I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm telling you, That Jesus has promised us his joy. And I think there's a key to understanding what this means in the passage that we read earlier. And if you're paying attention, you caught that that was a little primer. Just to get you ready. John 15, 11 says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. What's the part of that sentence that ought to get you curious? Jesus said, I have told you these things. So if you want to understand how to experience his joy, we got to ask the question, What things, Jesus? What are you talking about? Where do we experience said joy? John 15. Let's get the context now of the passage. John 15. This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he is saying, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. Anyone who abides in me will bear good fruit. And in John 15, 9, he says this, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and abide in his loves. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. See, the reason that we know that we can experience his joy, everyday joy, is because every day it is unchanging truth that Jesus has died and rose again on the cross for our sins and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for us and the same Jesus that raised from the dead is calling us forward into relationship with the Father. Jesus is our salvation. Do you know what it is? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not just now, but it's not yet. Joy is now, but not yet. In the same way that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus, the one who was and is to come, joy is eternal and it is inevitable. It will happen in your life. You will experience it. In fact, I want to speak that over you right now. If you're in a season right now of darkness and you're saying, I don't know if I've ever, I've been in a season like this before. There might be somebody here like this now. And you might be saying, I, I, I just feel overwhelmed. I just feel like there's darkness all around me. Your joy will come. Joy will come. It's a promise of, this, of the word of God. It's a promise. 
A couple of of quotes here. Sam Storm says, Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It's the presence of God. Dwight L. Moody. Happiness, the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is caused by things that happen around me. And circumstances will mar it. But joy flows right through trouble. Joy flows through on the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows all through persecution and opposition. His joy remains. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have hope and we have joy in Jesus. Everyday joy. Number two, everyday endurance. Now because we know that we have this joy that is before us, that is behind us, that is with us, Because we know that this is here, we can endure. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we talked about last week the resurrection of Christ, prior to the resurrection, of course, came the suffering. And great was the suffering. Jesus paid a steep price for us, died a horrible death on the cross. And when we ask the question, what motivated him? What was the mindset that allowed him to move through that? When, when, when Jesus himself said, I could take this from myself anytime. Nobody's forcing me to do this. I'm doing this freely and willingly. How could he endure it? And the Bible tells us this, that there is a promise of joy on the other side. That there was a joy that was pulling him through into the other side. There was a joy that kept him going and moving forward. Facing the flogging, facing the mocking, facing the beatings, and facing the cross. There was a joy that pulled him through. He knew his why. He knew his why. He knew what he was doing. He knew his why. He knew where he was going. And he knew, he knew, he knew that there was a joy that was set before him. And you know what that joy was? It was you And it was me in eternity with him. There was a joy that was set before him. It's set. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. When um, I was studying this, I couldn't help but go back to this great quote from Viktor Frankl. And and if you're not familiar with this man, he was a psychologist who actually endured uh, an Auschwitz survivor during World War II. He was in the concentration camps. And he wrote a fascinating book about his times in the concentration camps, observing how different people would face adversity. And, and so what he did is he actually went through and he, 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 um, he, he psychoanalyzed and he, he used his tools that he'd been given to look and watch what people would do. And he noted that it wasn't always necessarily the strongest people, uh, or pardon me, the weakest people that would pass. It wasn't always the strongest people that would survive. But there was a common thread that seemed to be among those that would continue through and and were able to endure and get through the concentration camps. And it was that they knew why they were living. They had a why. There would be one person who seemed to be very strong and the next day they would pass away out of hopelessness. And then there would be another person who had faced incredible opposition and yet they would endure and they would remain. And his quote was this, those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. We have a why. We have a why. And his name is Jesus. We have a why who has faced death and has faced persecution 
And he is risen from the dead and overcome, and his name is Jesus. Amen? In fact, uh, we see this in the Apostle Paul as well. Uh, in one sentence, he explains why he endures persecution again and again in his ministry. In Acts 23, verse 6, he says, Before the Jews in Jerusalem, it is with respect to the hope and resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. This allows him to endure. In Acts 24, 21, he says, Before Felix in Caesarea, in Caesarea, he says, It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. Before King Agrippa, in Acts chapter 26, verse 8, he says, Why is it thought incredible of any of you that God raises the dead? And to the Jews in Rome, he says, It is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing these chains. When you know the resurrection in your life, when you know his, 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 his resurrection power working in you daily, it can give you the strength to endure anything. Romans 8.18 8, says this, What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And finally, Romans 8.31, What shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Church, he's not just a Sunday Jesus. He's not just an Easter Jesus, but he's with you on your Mondays, your Tuesdays, your Wednesdays, your Thursdays, your Fridays, your Saturdays, your Sundays. And he has promised us joy, and that joy gives us the strength to endure. Amen? I got three left. You with me? Okay, here we go. Next one. So we got everyday joy. We got everyday endurance. We've got everyday mercy. I love this one. Mercy equals uh, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. We can know that there is mercy every day. And in fact, in Lamentations 3.21, it says, Yet I still dare to hope. I said to put that part in there because it's so good. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh every morning. And I say to the, the, myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. There is new mercy every day. There is new mercy every day. I heard a preacher talk about this recently, and he was talking about um, facing overwhelming circumstances in life. And I think some of us might be able to, um, to relate to that. Um, when things come in life that, that seem to overwhelm us and seem to be something outside of our scope that we don't know how to handle, then what it says here is that the mercies of God are new every morning. And I think one of the things that we can get overwhelmed with is this thought about the future. You know, what's going to happen next? What about tomorrow? What about the next day? What about this day? But the Bible says his mercies are new every day. Do you know what that means? His mercies are sufficient for today. He's able to get you through it, whatever it is. Oh, and guess what? His mercies, they're going to be there for tomorrow. And they're new just for that day. You can have peace and reliance of Jesus, knowing that he is with you, that he has everyday mercies for you. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has already begotten us again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are being kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 
Come on, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know how you failed this week or you felt that you failed this week. I don't know the sin that you're facing in you, but I want you to know today that we serve a God who is not just for a Sunday, but He is there for you yesterday and He is there for you today. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. And our hope of glory is Christ in us. It's an everyday Jesus. Amen? It's an everyday Jesus. Number four. Oh, I love this one. You can't talk about mercy without talking about this one, everyday grace. Can, can I just be honest with you? When I was a young man, I really didn't understand what was so great about grace. I remember Philip Yancey writing this book called, what was it called again? What's so amazing about grace? And I was trying to be all spiritual and like, you know, like dig into this as a 19-year-old. And I remember reading the book and being like, eh. <laughs> I didn't understand it. But, but here's, here's the thing about grace. And I know I've said this before, but it's such a good analogy. Mercy is uh, not getting what you deserve. Right? So mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's called mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's getting what you don't deserve. So again, I, I've used this analogy, but it's so good. You're driving your car, and you're doing 20 over the speed limit, and you see the sirens in the background, and the lights go on, and you get pulled over. And the police officer comes to you and says, you know how fast you're going? You said, yeah, I think I was speeding just a little bit. You were doing 20 over the speed limit. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. <sighs> okay, well, I can tell that you're really sorry, so I'm going to give you mercy, and I'm going to let you off with a warning, and you can go. Oh, thank you so much, officer. I really appreciate it. That's mercy. Grace is the officer pulls you over, walks up to your window, goes, do you know how fast you're going? You said 20 over. And he says, yeah, I know that. And he, and he says, officer, I'm so very sorry. I, I, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't know that. He goes, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do for you today. I'm going to write a personal check of $10,000 to you. Have a nice day. That's grace. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense, the grace of God. That's how gracious and wonderful he is towards us. Hey, you failed in life. You, you sinned. You are separated from God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you my son. But that doesn't make any sense, Jesus. I, I, do you see what I, I was an enemy of you is what the Bible says. Yeah, but even while you were yet sinners, I died for you. Paid the price. That is the amazing thing about grace. Acts chapter 15, verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. His grace is that strong, it can carry you through. Romans 5.21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 16.19 says, but everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and staying innocent of what is wrong. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. 2 Timothy 2.1 You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Are you strong in the grace today? When you get up in the morning and you're feeling beat down, you're tired, you don't know what to do, I want you to remember something. That there is joy ahead of you. That it gives you the power to endure. That His mercy is there with you every day. His mercies are new every morning. And there is grace for you in that day. To do exceedingly abundantly, above and beyond all you can hope or think or ask, according to the power working in us. 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Amen? Amen. 1 Peter 13 says this, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully in the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's his unbelievable grace. The divine enabling of the Holy Spirit that allows us to pursue him. I I only stand here today because of grace. That's it. It's grace. It's Christ in me. Amen? Okay, and here's the last one. Just for today. Like I said, there's tons of them, but we're going to do five. And then I'll let you go. <laughs> Last one is this everyday truth. Everyday truth. And why, why did I say truth? Why do we have to put this one in there? Because the Bible tells us when Jesus came, he ministered in grace and truth. And truth is reality. In John chapter 117, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, before this, it tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld Him, the glory. So this idea is tied to the Word of God, the whole Word of God, which is the truth. And this is what it tells us about the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, why do we need Jesus to bring us truth? Because truth on its own, without grace, is like a sword or a knife. And if truth comes without grace, it'll cut. And sometimes it's not pretty. But under the hands of the master surgeon... Under the hands of our Savior, Jesus, when the truth comes, it comes with grace. And it's connected to grace because truth in the hands of Jesus brings us in to reality. In John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And the truth that Jesus brings brings us freedom from deception. It brings us freedom from bondage, and it breaks off the lies that have shackled themselves to our souls. See, every area of bondage in your life is tied to a lie. I said this last week. The Bible talks about tearing down strongholds. A stronghold is any area in your life where the truth of God is unable to have influence. So as we pursue Him and go after Him, We have to recognize there's joy coming. That's the truth. We can endure because the joy is coming. His mercies are going to be new for us every morning. There is grace that is sufficient to help us in our time of need and to pull us forward into the presence of God, come boldly before the throne of grace. And finally, there is truth. God loves you enough not to leave you where you are. But there is freedom from bondage. There is freedom from deception through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.27 For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. 
Christ is living in you. This gives you assurance of his glory. Amen. 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 So that means today, church, when you go up, get up tomorrow morning, I want you to remember something. It's not just Sunday, Jesus. It's everyday, Jesus. Those promises and those truths are not just for a, a warm, fuzzy feeling on a Sunday morning. But those promises and those truths are actually for you practically every day of your life. Amen? Amen. So as we close today, I would like to pray for you. I'd like to ask you if you could just bow your heads for a moment. Jesus loves you so much. He is so crazy about you. And if today you just need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit, you just need Jesus to meet you right where you are. Maybe you're facing something that is overwhelming. Maybe you're in a dark season. Maybe you're not. Maybe life is great. But you feel that a call and a cry in your heart that something's missing and you need to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. And actually, before we get to that, if there's anybody here, I, I want to make an opportunity. If you're online, maybe you're watching this today, and you've never heard this message before, I want to tell you that the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It tells us that we were enemies of Christ. We were enemies of God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And, and if you want to know his motives, it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If that's you and you're hearing that message for the first time today, I want you to know there is hope, and his name is Jesus. And if you need to hear that today, that was for you today, there's an opportunity right now to respond. Today is the day of salvation, and now is the appointed time. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So on that level, if that's you, you need to respond. And on the other level, if that's you today, and you say, man, I just need more of Jesus in my life. I want to know the everyday Jesus working in my life. If that's you right now, I just want you to stand wherever you are, just as an act of faith. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I need the everyday Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And let's all stand together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're working in hearts today. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would come. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, Spirit of life, and work in each heart, Lord God. Tear down the lies that have, tore, that have kept them away, Lord Jesus. Tear down the bondages, Lord God, that have held people in place, Lord God. And I pray today, Lord God, that there would be a freshness in this place. Lord God, I pray that there would be a hope that would rise. I pray that there would be a joy that would rise, Lord God. I pray that this is a new day, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that moving into these next few weeks, Lord God, moving into the rest of our lives, Lord God, that we would live a life that glorifies you. Father, we pray that we would experience not just a Sunday Jesus or an Easter Jesus, but a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday Jesus. And God, that we would walk in it and we would know you, Lord. God, we love you. We magnify you, and we give you this day in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Just as we close, Tan's just going to add. Thank you. Got to go listen to that one online again. That was so good. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus in our everyday life. That's, I want more of that every day. So awesome.